Hey everyone, welcome to the second episode of Learn UX. If you've been following along, thank you for continuing along this journey. I really appreciate the support. And if you are just joining, welcome to the family. Here, I'll share with you the skills and tools of becoming a UX UI designer. And in today's episode, I'll be talking about the best practices. So you can kind of think of them like the Bible of a friendly user experience or rough guidelines. By no means will these commandments work in every situation, but it's a good start and definitely a strong foundation. With that said, you should definitely supplement these best practices with user research. Before I dive into what are these best practices, I just wanted to be transparent with how I found this. So I graduated from the University of California, San Diego back in 2015, and I completed my bachelor's there in cognitive science with human-computer interactions. So I came from a school of thought that was very research focused and in case you didn't know, Don Norman leads a design lab at UCSD and he is quote unquote the first UX professional um, which happened when he joined Apple to help design their next line of human centered products. Um, so he's a pretty big name in the industry and arguably the father of UX. And I'm the first generation of a UX workforce that went through formal UX undergrad education. Um, and the people who are UX designers now that have like 10 plus years experience didn't start off in UX. The common story that I hear a lot is that they used to be a front-end developer or a graphic designer or what have you and then they found their way into UX or they did a master's program in UX. So with all of that said, these best practices are what I've been taught in my undergrad and it's still pretty relevant and widely practiced. So I'm going to be throwing a lot of rules your way, and in no way do I expect you to remember everything I say. But the underlying thing that I want you to remember, just this one thing, this one mantra that should be the holding glue for all of your decisions when designing user experiences is, less is more. Okay, repeat after me. Less is more. This will make a lot more sense at the end of this episode, so keep this in the back of your mind as we move along. Alright, if you haven't heard of Norman Nielsen's 10 heuristics, make this your best friend. I'll also post a link in the description for you to check out and to read in more detail if you want to or if you just want to book it. Um, so the first thing is visibility of system status. So you always wanna be transparent with the users, whether that's in the form of feedback or prepping them for the future so there are no surprises. Um, and a common example is a loading screen. Sometimes you'll see a bar that's getting filled in or you get a spinny wheel, but this feedback is speaking to the user that, hey, we're currently brewing something on our end, so please be patient with us. And you never want to be visible after the fact, like do this right away. The second heuristic is match between system and real world. You wanna use the right language. If you're a medical website that is supposed to provide information to doctors, then your language is probably going to be very formal and have a lot of medical terms. If you're a social media platform, your language is going to be more street talk, emojis, and LOLs. So the third heuristic is user control and freedom. This is probably the most important heuristic in my opinion. You wanna let the users drive 
all the time. And this is a really delicate art to master. You know, there's a difference between influencing and forcing. And the last thing we want to do is force something on a user without their permission and without them actively and intentionally doing it. I mean, don't you hate it when you're reading an article and you get a pop-up modal asking to sign up for something that you weren't even looking for in the first place? I did not prompt a modal, nor did I press any link or button to have this modal. Please let me do what I want to do. Let me make these choices. And if I make these choices, let it be easy for me to revert from these choices. I need clear exits too. And to be quite honest, most people don't get this. They feel the need to control the user for fear that the user may never see whatever it is that they want you to see. And that's where influencing comes in. Influence them with bold colors, strong language, clear call to actions. Um, so now I'm gonna talk about the fourth heuristic, which is consistency and standards. Pretty self-explanatory, have consistent fonts, button styles, wording, etc. The fifth one is error prevention. So prevention is always better than fixing, right? This is just a fact of life and it applies to user experiences most definitely. So an example um, that I want to share is oftentimes when you fill in forms, it asks for a password, you know, for you to create. And wouldn't it be nice if it told you what was required of a password? So instead of me guessing and then I click enter and now it's a highlighted red field like, well, gee, it stinks. Uh, you should have told me this before. And I want to give a shout out to MailChimp because they have the best preemptive password creation workflow I've ever seen. They do this thing where they have a list of password requirements right under the field. And you're probably thinking, I've seen that before, but they go the extra step and actually highlight um, each requirement green as you're typing out your password. And you don't really see this often and it was surprisingly pleasant. Like hands down, good job MailChimp. I'm not even being sponsored by them in any shape or form, but I just wanted to give my kudos. The sixth heuristic is recognition rather than recall. So let's reduce the cognitive load on our users. Don't make them think. Ain't nobody got time or patience to do that anymore. And the user shouldn't have to remember everything. It should be an instant, oh, that's right rather than hmm i think i have to do this the moment a user has to stop and pause is not a good moment you should make it very effortless for them to flow naturally through your system the seventh heuristic is flexibility and efficiency of use um, so this is when a system can tailor to both novice and power users, then you know you have a really flexible design. And I found throughout my career so far that you can tailor to both if you follow this rule. Less is more. Show the bare minimum so that novice users can quickly grasp it, but allow for the means to discover more so that power users can get to it. The Eighth heuristic is aesthetic and minimalistic design. Sexy sans serif fonts, lots of white space, hipster photography, like that is so in right now. Hashtag aesthetics. So although I will say um, that I kind of do miss and have a nostalgia for Web 2.0 and brutalistic websites, 
Um, there's this really funny satire that someone made. It's a brutalist website that basically bags on current UX trends. I'll post the link to that in the description. Um, there's this really funny graphic which is a persona of John Doe, which by the way is a very commonplace holder name when it comes to wireframes. And his quote is, I'm tired of material design. <laughs> so the brutalist persona document um, what they were saying was that it aggregates all the assumptions you have about your users into a single place. It is so straightforward and you don't even need to bring it to your meetings. But yeah, that I just thought that was really funny and like when you've worked in this industry for long, like it, it's so easy to make fun of it. Um, the ninth heuristic is to help users recognize, diagnose, and recover from error. So this kind of piggybacks earlier about you know prevention and user freedom but more importantly if you're going to present an error message then you also better state a solution as well and the last heuristic is help and documentation you shouldn't rely on docs too much but at least have the option um, to you know have access to docs and make it very easy to find so, these 10 heuristics speak really well to the UX side of things. How about UI? There's so many design systems and UI kits out there, I've looked at them all. And the most comprehensive and easy to use UI kit is, drumroll, Google's Material Design. Um, again, I'll post a link on that in the description. Um, but yeah, Google's Material Design, like every component you can think of like they walk you through the specifics of how to do it from a ui perspective for example how do i design buttons oh i need this much padding etc etc like i know inherently design is a creative thing but you still need rules and you still need to understand color theory proportions placement combination of things to be aesthetically pleasing like as methodical as that approach sounds sometimes you just need a handbook on how to actually build the ui side of things so let's get back to what i said earlier about less is more when designing and speaking with stakeholders, it's so easy to get caught up and think, but wait, uh, how about this? Wouldn't it be neat if we added that too? Let's try to do this as well. And it starts to spiral into lots of clutter because we try to fit so many things into this one page or feature. So let's start framing how we approach design in this um, in a new like mentality, which is less is more. Instead of thinking, what more can we add? We should be thinking, what more can we take away without it's losing its meaning and losing the ability for users to understand what's going on? Kiss, keep it stupid simple. You know, help your users complete their tasks as fast as possible. And the only way you're gonna get there is if you don't have a lot of things competing for their attention. Um, so for example, say I'm designing something that is supposed to show how things are connected to one another. And um, if I get someone who critiques my design and asks, what if it's not clear enough? We may have to add XYZ. So what I would do is I would acknowledge their concern and rebuttal with, yes, that's always a possibility, but when we add XYZ, it creates clutter. So let's take this to user testing and see if users actually think it's clear enough, um, which I'm assuming I think is clear enough. Um, and if the data shows that it's not clear enough, then yes, that would warrant adding XYZ. So your job as a UX UI designer will be 
to be the champion of users, to fight for your users. It's not always easy, but when you have these heuristics and guidelines as your arsenal, you can come up with some pretty solid arguments. And if that's not good enough or convincing enough, then let the data speak for itself in user research. So that concludes the second episode of this podcast series. I hope you learned a thing or two today. And if you have any questions or suggestions, please feel free to contact me at my email address, which is posted in the description. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy the rest of your day or evening. Till next time.